0: to Inside Sponsorship, the show that provides sponsorship professionals with advice, insights and news so they can maximise their
1: commercial programs and achieve best practice.
0: A few months ago, Nielsen projected that blockchain companies investing in sports sponsorship is projected to reach US $5 billion by 2026. Now, interestingly, cryptocurrency, blockchain and NFT sports sponsorship investment is projected to increase by a massive 778% compared to 2021. The next highest increase in sports sponsorship is 44%, which is for IT software and hardware. Retail, automotive and energy sponsorship investment is only expected to rise by 7 5 and 4% respectively. Nielsen also reports that 52% of esports fans and 39% of sports fans generally say they are aware of crypto tokens which is significantly higher than the general population. In fact, sports fans are twice as likely to be familiar with cryptocurrencies compared to the general population. In addition, 24% of sports fans also expressed an interest in NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Of course, while awareness of blockchain companies is growing in the market, sponsors are also focused on converting. That needs to be a key understanding for any rights holder looking to pitch a blockchain company. However, while the space is overflowing with opportunity and possibility, rights holders do need to tread carefully. It is vitally important that they are not seduced and blinded by the money on offer at the expense of due diligence and properly vetting potential partners. Hi, I'm Daniel Oyston, host of Inside Sponsorship, and you're listening to episode 109, brought to you by Core Software. It's great to have you listening into this very interesting episode. No matter where you are in the world or what your connection is with sponsorship, I hope all is well at your end. Now, the last couple of episodes, I've been sad because I didn't have any shout-outs, but I'm pleased that a few folk have gotten in contact. Long-time listener, John Willers, MD at Nielsen Sports in Africa, wrote and said, Hey Daniel, great podcast 108. Data is key. Thank you for the great work you keep doing for the global industry. Well, Jean, it's not me. It's the guests that are the star of the show. But it is great to hear from you again, and I hope you're well. And I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. My apologies if I'm not Also getting in touch to say hi was Mattal Patel. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sales executive at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club who said, I'm a huge podcast listener. I'm about halfway through 2017. So there's probably a lot of excitement to come. Sponsorships and partnerships is my goal and ambition in my career. And your podcasts are a massive help. So it's great to hear from you. Thanks for getting in touch. Yes, 2017, there's a lot of episodes to go and I trust they're going to provide you with lots more value. Aman Aluwalia, Senior Manager, Partnership Insights at BSE Global, connected on LinkedIn and wrote, as always, love the great work you do and always make sure to set aside time to listen to the latest episode. I've now moved to Brooklyn, so let me know next time you're in the New York area and it would be great to grab a drink or a coffee. Aman, I will definitely take you up on that one day. Thank you very much for the offer. And listeners, be sure to check out Aman's podcast, which is called Sports Business Strategy, which is a discussion on the data and insights that inform sport business decisions. Sounds like a great show. And finally, Paula Kowalska, Junior Account Director at Hatch Group, also connected on LinkedIn and said, I stumbled upon your podcast when choosing one for my lunchtime run and found your conversation with Christian absolutely fascinating. Thank you for putting it together. Certainly made my run much more enjoyable. I look forward to listening to more past episodes and I'll be sure to keep an eye out for when new ones are released. Well, it's great to hear from you, Paula, and glad I could have helped a little bit with the run and I'm sure Christian is glad he could help with the run as well. Keep it going. So after a few episodes of no shoutouts, it was great to hear from you all. Thanks for getting in touch. I really do love hearing from the listeners. Now, as I mentioned earlier, cryptocurrency, blockchain, and NFT sports sponsorship investment – is projected to increase by a massive 778% compared to 2021. It's an attractive space for rights holders as they look to shore up their commercial programs to help recover from pandemic-driven losses in a category that barely existed a few years ago. Last year, the number of people in the world investing in crypto doubled to around about 100 million, and now it's estimated to be more than 220 million, and many analysts expect that to double again next year. Blockchain sponsorships is a fast developing space, and there is a lot to consider compared to traditional categories. As such, Eddie Fitzgibbon, principal consultant at Sports Rights Tech, joins us to help understand and navigate the space. SRT is a specialist advisory business focusing on the intersection of technology, intellectual property, and rights in sport and entertainment. SRT, they have a unique understanding of the Web3 and NFT space for sports and entertainment. Through their Web3 and NFT advisory services, SRT are able to support rights holders and brands through a number of potential projects and use cases in this ever-evolving commercial opportunity space. But before we hear from Eddie... I wanted to run a replay of a small section from episode 103, which aired back in December 2021. So about six months before this episode. In it, we welcomed Joseph Borrell from Valencia CF. And in this replay, Joseph talks about their front of shirt deal with Socios and how he sees their fan tokens maturing in sports. Here's Joseph. Joseph, this year, while Valencia is the 38th, partner of socios.com overall you were in fact the first to strike an actual front of shirt deal with socios and it does in fact carry the valencia fan token branding so congratulations on that it's definitely a deal that obviously benefits socios as they build awareness and engagement in the community and among football fans but it also helps you generate income through your own fan tokens because you are promoting them on the shirt. So it's a very unique situation there. Now, I did a little bit of research. Reports say that the deal didn't match the previous front of shirt sponsorship. But I suspect that because this deal helps generate income, outside of the actual just sponsorship transaction and, and contract. It's probably not that much of a major concern. You can correct me if I'm wrong. As I said, it's pretty unique. How did it come about? And so far, has it provided much of a return on investment in terms of reduced sponsorship off income being offset by maybe increased fan token purchasing?
1: So, as like we've been talking to Sophius for a long, long time, and uh, discussing different options and ways to collaborate, and especially trying to educate internally uh, the club on how this could benefit us. You no, know? there was a moment that where the possibility of being a main sponsor came to the table, and we saw it as a good opportunity, as a PR level, as it reinforces our interest to be seen as a disruptive club, and therefore promoting, you know, our fan token, you know, made sense. At the same time, uh, we were aware, aware that we were taking a risk because we were the first ones and because we had allocated so many time, resources and uh, assets from the traditional sponsorship into the, into the project to make it a success. But we understood as well that with risks uh, come the opportunity. And now we, both parties, we have embraced the challenge. Uh, we are activating the partnership a lot. Because we understand that the more we activate the balance chain, the more we're going to drive um, token purchase, which again is related to to with increase the, of an engagement. Um, and yeah, there, there's a revenue share part of the deal. And, but being conservative, we believe that we can come close to, if not exceed, the amount that paid by we And So uh, we'll see at the end of the season, but uh, I think uh, we are in the right path.
0: Now, we have heard some stories from some football clubs with fans pushing back against things like fan tokens because they sometimes view it just as, as the club trying to grab more money from them, to suck more money out of them, and, and they don't really understand it. But in fairness, lots of fans have actually bought tokens from their clubs, including myself. What's the experience been like at Valencia in terms of educating the fans on the, on the token front?
1: Yeah, right. I, I heard as well that there were some issues in the UK, and to be honest, we haven't had much criticism, uh, at least not more than the usual. Uh, in the end, you cannot please everyone in a football club, that's that's for sure. Um, but I think this is more exclusive of the UK, and I think it's a cultural difference as well. I think the press um, has so much power there as well in terms of building or protecting the purism of football. and. In my opinion, I think this can be a bit cynical at some point because um, we were talking about yeah, about capitalizing the fan. I heard that and uh, about you know making money out of the fan. When we've been doing this for years and years, so we sell shirts, we sell merchandising of all of all kinds. So this is another platform as well. I think as as fair as others. So, but obviously we try. To, we tend to protect uh, of the sport for us. Um, the fact of having invested that much time and assets, it has helped us to, to, to educate the fans in a, in a better way. You know? Because we've been doing different activities uh, almost weekly. We've uh, allowed the fans to decide what will be the logo in our, in our Copa del Rey kit, for example. We've allowed them to decide what will be the message that uh, the players will have in the dressing room. So obviously for us, it's been a, an, easier, an easier journey than other clubs that maybe they have signed the agreement and they haven't pushed the partnership from the fan engagement perspective.
0: At the moment, Socios.com fan tokens are mostly focused on engaging fans and allowing them to have a say in some club decisions. And you gave some great examples there around the logo and messages in the change room. And it's definitely an emerging space. So there's lots of people involved, but it's not really accelerating that quickly. How are you thinking that they're going to change over time? And, and particularly, how do you see the space working with fan tokens and incorporating sponsorship as it matures?
1: I think it's evolving already pretty fast. And, and in the case of fan tokens, uh, you have seen how they have given a step forward uh, with us and, and, and afterwards with Inter Milan as well into a more traditional uh, sponsorship concept. Um, I think... Over the time, if they want to keep being relevant, they need to keep reinforcing the utility of the token by creating new opportunities, as it could be creating NFTs, as they are doing already with us, or by using the ecosystem to offer possibilities to other partners of the club, for example. So focusing on on keeping that fan engagement is what I think is gonna help them succeed in the near future. At the same time, you can see other players within the fan token ecosystem that they are completely focused on 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 driving revenue only so this i don't know if those ones will be able to last longer but i didn't want to talk only about fan tokens because i think this evol- uh, revolves around um, blockchain technology which i think is is limitless and um, the opportunities are limited i think they're gonna they're here to stay uh we've seen Companies in the NFT space that are already partnering partnering with clubs as could be David Labs or so, so Rare, with uh, highlights and uh, NFT collectibles. You have crypto exchanges as well that they are looking after the security that provide being aligned with a uh, sporting IP. You have cryptocurrencies itself that they want to to improve the, their image and 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 again have that security that maybe they don't have because of the nature of their business and but what i'm seeing in this space is that there's so many opportunities that we have to be very cautious about them because the same way that they could fill the space or the financial gap that i think the building industry has left at the same time there are so many people that want to make money out of it as well and we've seen uh, examples of Manchester City or FC Barcelona that have announced partnerships in the space and they have had to back up afterwards. So, due diligence are very important. Uh, as I said, opportunities are endless, but we have to be very cautious as well.
0: So, I just wanted to run that little replay to help set the scene on the ground from a right holder's perspective before we hear more broadly from Eddie Fitzgibbon from SRT. So, Without further ado, here's Eddie Fitzgibbon, Principal Consultant at Sports Rights Tech, a specialist advisory business focusing on the intersection of technology, intellectual property and rights in sport and entertainment. And as such, they have a unique understanding of the Web3 and NFT space for sports and entertainment. Here's Eddie. Eddie, welcome to the show. We always welcome guests with a little bit of an icebreaker just to help the listeners get to know you a little bit better, even though you've been on the show before. So welcome back. But your first icebreaker in this episode is, were you a kid that got into the whole sports trading cards and footy cards and things like that? And if so, what's your memories of those times?
2: I was and still somehow am an Orlando Magic fan. And Our heyday was back when I was kind of 10 to 14 years of age and Shaq and Penny Hardaway were my idols, so I collected a lot of basketball cards back in the day. And all I remember was the excitement that I had when you're opening a pack to see if you got a rare player or a player you liked or and your friends were opening them up and you might be able to trade with them. So it was just that whole excitement of kind of the purchase through the opening of the pack. I also remember that the chewing gum in there was pretty average as well.
0: Did you ever get into flicking for winning other people's cards? Did you ever do that?
2: Yeah, I did, yeah. That takes me back. I didn't think about that one, but that was – that was pretty crazy that was a lot of fun. I
0: wonder if that's is that just an Australian thing or do, do people all over the world used to do that because it pretty much wrecks your card you know smashing one of your good cards on the on the bitumen to try and win one that is also smashed well
2: I, I I hope they, they didn't do it in the US to LeBron James or Michael Jordan rookie cards because that would have been you know hundred
0: thousand dollars lost there. Well, if it is a cultural phenomenon in Australia, for our international listeners, what we used to do as kids with football cards or other sports cards is, if you wanted a card from another guy and he wanted your card, you would flick them like you might flick playing cards, and whoever's would flick the furthest and land would be the winner, and and they would get that. The other person's card so i just realized how bad that sounds because it is absolutely a form of gambling isn't it (laughs) anyway eddie let's move on the second icebreaker question is where grown-up men now and the world has changed so tell us about some of the nfts that you've purchased
2: oh geez well first i'll say i've had some amazing ones and i've had some absolute stinkers so let's let's just focus on the good ones today um mainly sports related but a couple of non-sports related um, I'm, a, I'm a cricket guy, used to work at International Cricket Council, so um, I was into the uh, ICC NFTs, which is similar to kind of NBA Top Shot and, and NFL All Day, which I also have, so it's kind of those kind of NFT moments that I think everyone's pretty aware of now. Um, I've got some, uh, I'm a Liverpool fan, so I've got some LFC Heroes um, NFTs. I've got the Australian Open Art Ball, um, I've got a Lynx DAO um, NFT, which is an is a NFT that helps um, or that gets you access to the purchase of a golf club as part of a membership, which is really cool. Um, and then I've got some fan-controlled football uh, NFTs as well. So, you know, a, a pretty wide selection in the sports space. And then I've got a couple of other non-sports ones, which one's called uh, Tools of Rock, which is going to be a metaverse for music. And then my well, one of my favorite ones is uh it's called Cryptodes by Gremplin, which is a kind of digital artist who's quite famous in the NFT space. So yeah, pretty wide suede. Um hopefully I'm up overall, but it's pretty hard to tell at the moment.
0: <laughs> nice. It does sound like an eclectic Uh, range there so well done now eddie we're here to talk all things crypto exchanges nft fan tokens in the sponsorship space and how they relate to people's commercial programs so set the scene a little bit for us in this space what are some of the what we might call notable deals and and the money involved in this space recently
2: Firstly, anything crypto and NFT is obviously a really hot topic right now. There's no doubt about that in the, in, in, in the sports industry. From all, you know, all the crypto sponsorships, you know, arena, naming rights arenas, Super Bowl ads, team sponsorships, and NFTs, You know, Top Shot, LFC Heroes, NFT Rivals, which is a newly announced blockchain-based football game, um, American football game. And then there's the metaverse, you know, Man City and Real Madrid have announced projects recently. So, you know, really, really hot topic, obviously. Um, a lot going on, a lot of hype, a lot of fear as well um, due to the volatility around crypto and NFTs. But, you know, some of the interesting deals are, you know, crypto.com and F1 did a deal for a hundred, about $100 million. FTX in Miami, Miami Heats Arena, FTX Arena now for $135 million US dollars. AFL, AFLW in Australia, Crypto.com did a deal there for 25 million Aussie dollars, and then the MLB also done a deal. The FT- FTX um, and Coinbase, another crypto exchange, have done a deal in, in esports with ESL Gaming, and there are much, much more. So yeah, just just so much going on. There's so much money being thrown around into this. Um, it's truly staggering if you thought about this kind of two, three years ago about these these type of deals being done and the types of brands we're talking about. It's just quite, quite incredible.
0: Totally agree. Now, Eddie, before we go too far, because you just alluded to it in your answer just then about some of the volatility and maybe some of the fears people have, because I want to address what I think is maybe an elephant in the room of sorts, and that is quite recently the tanking of coin prices are or... Should rights holders be worried or spooked by the volatility or is it all just part of it? Is it is it likely to spook them from really pushing forward in this space?
2: Crypto markets have fallen between forty to seventy percent over the last couple of weeks. Now that's that's scary to anyone, anyone who's who owns them, but also people doing deals in this space. But if you've been in crypto before, you know, this has happened, you know, quite often. It's all kind of part of the journey. I wish it wouldn't wasn't so up and down, but that's kind of the reality of what it is. But for new entrants into the space, this is scary. And you know, this does include rights holders, um, fans as well, who are seeing these kind of deals being done that we mentioned before. So my take is, should, should rights holders be spooked? I don't think so. Um, but should rights holders be aware that anything crypto-related is very volatile? Absolutely. And because of that, these rights holders really need to be mindful, they need to be aware, and they need to do their due diligence when doing any type of web three or crypto deal or, or project. so you know, rights holders when we, when we talk about awareness um, when they do a deal with a brand, any brand, um, the fans you know can take this as validation of that brand, and that's where it becomes quite interesting for the for the rights holders. So you know sports generally is different to any other industry in that the fans or the consumers are less likely to be circumspect when it comes to their, their team. This is a great thing when you talk about the passion of the fans and sports, but there really does come responsibility with this on the right holder side. So yeah, I, I see it as highly unlikely that sports properties shy away from crypto and Web3 more broadly. Um, one, just due to the sheer money that's available here, which shows no signs of slowing down. But also because, you know, I think sports is one of the leaders in the adoption of crypto and Web3 due to its myriad of use cases, the interest in the sports world generally, and how it can add value to fan engagement efforts. But, again, just to reiterate, I think right tides really do have that obligation to do their due diligence on any deal in this space. You know, for example, the recent Washington Nationals deal they did with Terra Luna has been pretty excruciating to watch and anyone who's not aware... Washington Nationals and MLB team did a deal with Terra Luna, which was a um, uh, stable coin, and that tanked um, massively, and lots of people lost money and livelihoods and all sorts of other things. So, you know, this is a volatile space, but I don't think it's going anywhere. But, you know, right holders need to be really aware that you know, fandom um, can come with a cost.
0: As you rightly said, any deal in this space, it's hot, it's widely reported on, there's a lot of scrutiny on it, not just from the media, but also the fans around a rights holder who is engaging in a deal in this space. Have you seen as much hype and market saturation and news focus for an industry entering into sports sponsorships such as crypto in the past? In other words, how do you think it's comparing to something like when gambling started to enter the sports sponsorship space?
2: I haven't. I think that's mainly because things like gambling or you know sports apparel brands or these type of things haven't had the kind of cultural trajectory even that crypto has had in the past few years. I mean, perhaps 99% of people hadn't heard of crypto outside of Bitcoin and even then not many would have heard of Bitcoin up until maybe 18, 24 months ago. And now that that algorithmic stablecoin, you know Terra that I just mentioned, is sponsoring Major League Baseball team. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, the interesting for me thing for me is crypto versus gambling or other areas of sponsorship is that crypto is is still primarily unregulated, whereas gambling is most certainly is regulated um, everywhere. Um, so you know, gambling com- companies took the sports sponsorship space by ta- storm for a while know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, particularly probably in the UK, Um, but that was still a relatively gradual um, sports sponsorship type scenario compared to what these crypto deals are doing over the last kind of 18, 24 months.
0: It's a really good point you make about the cultural trajectory of crypto versus gambling because I would imagine that gambling was around long before organized sports. So I think it's a really important point for people to keep in mind around the cultural trajectory of crypto because it is still a trajectory. It's still an emerging space. As you said, it's not heavily regulated. Certain parts of the world, jurisdictions, sports may start to regulate what crypto can and can't do in their areas. So it is something to keep in mind. Eddie, what do you feel cryptocurrency brands, just generally speaking, are looking for when sponsoring rights holders? I read a claim that said that Quote, sports fans are about twice as likely as non sports fans to say they are familiar with cryptocurrencies. End quote. Is it the traditional early stage brands who are looking for brand awareness and trying to stay top of mind, maintain recall, etc.? Or is it something more sophisticated, do you think?
2: I don't think at this point it's anything more sophisticated than brand awareness. It is primarily a grab for market share right now. I read something the other day from Sam Bank fried CEO of FTX, and he was asked about the Miami heat venue deal. And he basically said as much. It was about eyeballs and conversion. And this will likely continue to be so for a while, I think. Um, relevant to this and, and, and this is from one of the leading thinkers in the in the crypto space, Rail Paul. He said crypto adoption is the fastest adoption of any technology in all of history, faster than the internet or anything else. Just think about that. And we're in a really very, very early stages. So if you think about it from this lens, and then the idea that the Coinbase's, the FTX's, the, the Binance's of this world, they just want people to know their brand, get comfortable with it, download the app, and start to play around with it. And then they're going to see um, hopefully the types of returns that they are after at, as a business um, very soon. I mean, I think that's the theory at least.
0: And I think it's okay to say that it's just about eyeballs and, and nothing much more sophisticated because that's exactly what rights holders need to keep in mind when they're going to pitch to these Brands They probably do not want overly complicated, sophisticated sponsorship programs and inventory. They just want to be able to get, maintain, and have brand awareness. Any cryptocurrency companies, they were a major presence at this year's Super Bowl. It's kind of hard to miss them. There were multiple companies, including Crypto.com, Meta, and FTX, Using the big game to promote either cryptocurrency exchanges, NFTs or other related products. And one example was the Coinbase ad that was just a QR code bouncing around the screen. If you scanned on it, it led to their website, offered a sign up deal but like all campaigns that are sending a lot of traffic at once, the site crashed. We presume it's under the weight of the visitors. It's a pretty straightforward approach, a call to action to visit a site to be shown a great deal and sign up. What are your thoughts on that sort of approach, just that call to action to visit a site and, and offer people a great deal to sign up?
2: It was a funny thing where the site – crashed um and that caused just as much uh, if not more hype and interest around the ad and I think I, I think I read somewhere there was more people than they try to download it after it crashed than, than beforehand so uh, I was in I was in Australia watching the Super Bowl but I I'd sw- deliberately switched the US version of, uh, of the Super Bowl just so I could watch those ads and there were some great great ads there um, and, you know, it's crazy how one can be led by um, wanting to watch those ads, particularly when, you know, I'd kind of been in the crypto and NFT space for a while and there was a lot of hype online um, in, in the kind of Twitter and the Discord around uh, what was going to happen uh, around Super Bowl ads. So this just kind of feeds the, the interest and the frenzy in this space. And, look, again, as we, as we said... People need to be very aware and mindful, uh, particularly you know Super Bowl, the NFL, around uh, doing deals like this um, and doing ads like this that, that get people to you know FOMO into it and 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 lose money. But I think ultimately, when it comes back to what they were trying to achieve, the brand awareness, people downloading the app, um, potentially you know putting money into their coin base um, account. I mean, that's what it was all about.
0: And as my marketing brain ticks over and you said that you think that more people actually downloaded the app afterwards in the days after the Super Bowl because people were talking about it and talking about the crash, My marketing brain wonders whether that was a deliberate play or not, but it just might be the cynical Daniel thinking there. So Eddie, similarly, Crypto.com went the age-old activation trick of just naming rights and a logo placement slapping when they took over the naming rights of the Staples Center and it became Crypto.com Arena in a deal that was worth US $700 million dollars. That's a pretty big move. It was a staple center for such a long time. It became an iconic name that was tied to so many teams that used that facility. What are your thoughts on somebody like a crypto company just coming in and just just muscling in over all of that history? Is that a good deal or not?
2: Depends who you're asking, right? There'd be a lot of people that are crypto skeptic who would have seen that deal done and go, here we go again. The crypto bros are taking over. Another iconic area of you know our culture or my sport, but ultimately you know this is not rocket science um, marketing by these you know um, highly sophisticated crypto exchanges who are very well financed this is a this is the land grab, and it's although it's crazy money, it's probably you know I'm sure, I'm sure the math was done on it, and then it was a good spend you know if we could convert x number of people trading x number of cryptocurrencies over x number of years, then that money is going to be justified. Um, is there going to be pushback on how much money was spent and the fact that the Staples Center name is no longer, it's, you know, it, it's, it's named by crypto.com? I think so. But I think over time, you know, naming rights deals have been seen again and again to increase brand awareness and conversion. So I think the deal has been done there that's going to um, help the adoption of, of crypto in the long term.
0: Well, on that point, if we look at what sponsors want, as we've spoken about, it's often brand awareness or conversion, a pathway to new customers. So those approaches that we've just been speaking about, they tick those right boxes, but it kind of feels like because this is an emerging and sophisticated digital space and we have access to technology that we'd expect more in terms of execution and, and maybe more of a lasting impact in engagement. What are your thoughts? Uh, is it going to be too long before crypto and NFT brands in this space just sort of elevate and, and try and create more creative sponsorship activations and deals?
2: I think we will in time, and when I say in time, that can usually mean, I oh, it might be years away, but time in crypto and, and, and Web3 is just so fast-paced that I think it'll be very, very soon before we actually start to get some um, creativity around these type of sponsorship deals. But, you know, having said that, if you look a little bit more closely at what some of these you know crypto sponsors have done, there actually has been some creativity around this sponsorship activation, and I'd typically call out, FTX and and again, the the Miami Heat venue. Um, The thing that happened there is that FTX gave out free NFTs for people at their venue. So these are the other things that, you know, these companies can try to do. That is uh, expand the network effect around their business into other crypto related areas and onboard more more people, not just into crypto, but into NFTs and and, and other areas in and around um, crypto. So, you know, for example, FTX and Coinbase both now um, sell NFTs on their platform. So FTX, and and I use FTX. I can buy crypto, I can also buy stocks, and I can also buy NFTs. Um, So I'm sure there are plans in place here to convert crypto traders to NFT traders and vice versa as, as part of this strategy. So I think we're already starting to see some of that.
0: The most prominent Premier League sponsor in this emerging digital space is Socios, which sells fan engagement tokens, and it has deals with six clubs at the moment in the Premier League, Arsenal, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Everton, Leeds, and Manchester City. I'll put my hand up, Eddie, as a Leeds United supporter when this first kicked off. I threw a few hundred dollars in to buy uh, some Leeds fan tokens as a bit of a let's-see-what-this-is-all-about sort of exercise, and... To date, I've found it all quite uh, a bit boring. It's all been pretty uninspiring, and it's mostly been driven by the club. It doesn't really seem like they're trying to bring other sponsors in their portfolio into the space and help them activate. However, I think you mentioned it earlier, fan engagement activated through sponsorship. It's a holy grail for brands. They're trying to access and engage with audiences that they either can't or would find difficult to. Firstly, fan tokens, they're not cryptocurrency and they're not NFTs. So can you give us a little bit of an explanation of where they sit in the landscape and then go on maybe to talk about what sort of opportunities you see that there are for brands to activate a sponsorship of a rights holder in this fan token space? It's a
2: really interesting on this. So when we talk about Web3 in sports, for me, we're primarily talking about four areas. Crypto sponsorship, like we've just spoken about. NFTs, we've touched upon virtual worlds or the metaverse which we'll touch upon later hopefully and then there's also fan tokens so i like you i, I look i downloaded the social app when it first launched um but i'm yet to buy a token um the only reason being that none of my teams are on it yet otherwise i'm sure i would have did my toe in like yourself my the, and the reason why i i, I downloaded and, and and sort of a look at it even when my teams aren't on it is My take, having been in the sports industry for a number of years, is the theory behind fan tokens, for me, is a market need. The area that hasn't quite been nailed are the mechanics of the token and the utility behind the fan token, as you kind of noted um, in the the question. So the clubs are always going to be cautious around what they, um, as in the experts in the the front office, want control of, of, again, versus what the fans have control of. Um, and I think as the space develops and there is more maturity in this space, including you know a key part, which is education of fans, but also of clubs in the front office, the clubs will start to see this as a really um, great way to better engage fans and they will start to loosen up. Now, I'm not sure that it'll ever go as far as being able to, you know, the starting 11 or the starting five or the next striker that is purchased by the manager. But I'm pretty confident that it will extend to much more interesting things for the fans to be a part of, which, you know, for me as a fan is exciting. Now, when it comes to brands and sponsorship, I think this is where it gets super interesting, but we're still very early in in it. So, for example, you know, could Spotify partner with Socios to help pick the music that teams run out to? Or could Gatorade partner with Socios or a fan token platform to help choose which colour gets dumped on the winning Super Bowl coach? Although that would wreck one of those uh, bets that everyone tries to tries to like to make in the in Super Bowl. But, you know, brands right now, for me, um, might be a little bit wary of doing these types of collaborations with Socios due to, you know, you mentioned, of course, some of the negativity around the Socios brand right now. Um, but to the points made above, once those issues are resolved and fan tokens become start to become more mature and more widely expected, which I, I expect to happen. Um, I, I I've no doubt that brands will see this as yet another way to have a better relationship with the fans of the rights holder. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing it develop
0: brands have the opportunity to activate in the nft and fan token space but it isn't something that is a well-trodden path you spoke then about clubs and the front office loosening up let's say they do get to that point and you were working there or maybe you're working in an agency you are pitching to brands to, to to come and engage with a rights holder and activate in this space what would you be focusing your pitch on in terms of the benefits for the sponsor
2: you're right. Brands have been much less gung ho in regards to activating in NFTs and fan tokens. And before I get into answering the question, I think this is likely due to wanting less risk in alienating their customers, whereas rights holders are less um, averse to risk in alienating their fans because they're fans and they'll keep coming back for more. That's just part of the sports fans. You could you could hate on your team one week and love them the next. Um, so, sports much more geared up toward this space than any other industries, and, and, and that's what excites me about it. Being into crypto and NFTs, but also being in a sport, is it sport is perfectly placed to capitalize on um, this 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 area. So, uh, to, to your question, as a pitch to benefit sponsors, I'd say it's a better, more direct conversation with our fans through blockchain technology. And when I say that, you know, blockchain technology allows um, for someone who owns an NFT to have a verifiable record on the blockchain of owning that NFT, therefore showcasing their fandom. It it also helps us better um, build a better, more inclusive and positive community amongst our global fans using NFT projects. We've all we're all aware of the issues and negativity around social media where you can do anything you want. You can use a pseudonym, you can, you know, online abuse, all of those things. But if you're a fan and you buy an NFT project, that that is yours and you get access to a gated community on Discord where you know that you're interacting with like-minded people who all love this team and all have, you know, generally positive vibes um, when it comes to... uh, NFT. So that, that for itself is really important, I think for brands because you know you're coming in to um, a community where everyone is is positive and they've shown by you know being a part of the community that, that they want to engage in a, in a better way. Brands can show that they're a leader in innovation and tech adoption. However, you know they do back to my point I made earlier, they, they do need to be careful with this due diligence piece. And you know, another thing we, we 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 haven't touched upon yet is around the the virtual land and the virtual stadium. Um, I think in in and not too distant future, all sports teams will have some version of a metaverse or access to virtual land, and you can sell that to the brands as being one of our key partners in this virtual world. And the upside there is is huge. I mean, I I, I heard someone say that, um, that they can see a future where brands can um, partner in the, let's just say, the virtual Anfield, and you can go in and use it as an e-commerce platform where you can go in and buy your shirt using that um, particular area while also doing a whole bunch of other stuff. So there's so many opportunities to to be involved. Brands just need to... um, get a little bit more comfortable, I think, with this because, again, they don't have fans, they have customers, and that's where the delineation lies. I
0: think that's a good point you make about how buying fan tokens is really fans joining a a closed, gated group, a positive group of like-minded fans. And I want to circle back and join it with a point that you made earlier about how you don't think that it will get to the point of, who the managers should sign as the next striker or who the starting five should be. So I want to get your thoughts with that in mind. How do you see projects such as the fan-controlled football league and the big three where they are producing uh, NFTs that give a form of ownership either over the on-field action or, or being an actual owner of a franchise? We've seen some people in the past try it before and as you said before we're kind of making some of this stuff up as we go there's going to be stops and starts and and missteps but a lot of positive things and it will move forward irrespective of all of that do you think that's a space uh, it's something that we're going to see more of and and how does it all work because i just don't understand how i'm supposed to be there pressing a button while i'm still trying to pay attention and is it happening in real time with internet connections and all that sort of stuff how does it all work
2: I love these projects so much. Like I'm i it's they're they're just incredibly innovative using the technology for the right reasons. And for me as a fan, it's just so interesting. So I own three or Yacht Club Fan Controlled Football League NFTs. Um so so Fan Controlled Football League, um, for those who don't know is American football, where the, the plays, the draft position, and all manner of other on and off field decisions are made by the fan so as an owner of the nft you get voting power um, on, on on those decisions as well as a bunch of other utilities such as the game ball you know free tickets and other really cool stuff depending upon the traits that your specific nft has so in this example and and how does it all work yes you're watching fan control football um you and a bunch of others who are also watching and and, and uh involved in that team, you get to decide what play will be run, for example, on field. Um, so you're ultimately uh, one of many kind of coaches that, that that makes a decision on a play-by-play basis. So really interesting. Um, that they are, I believe, looking at other sports to get involved in, and that's super exciting to me because there's quite a few sports that spring to mind with for, for me that really fit this really well. But it's just so... Innovative. It's so immersive. It's just so. It's, it's just so interesting. I, I, I just love it. And then big three, on the other hand. So that's a little bit different. But that's kind of selling NFTs that give people the chance to own a franchise. So that's more on the kind of ownership um, of of teams. Now, I'm super bullish on these type of NFTs um, use cases in sport because NFTs give the opportunity again through blockchain to own digital things. And this can include anything, including ownership of the actual team. I think it'll be harder with more traditional sports leagues and teams to implement something such as this. There's just the the, the, the hierarchy of the front office and what's, you know, quite frankly, what's at stake with the kind of money involved in sport. That there, there needs to be highly um, uh, involved expertise from people making correct decisions. But for new teams and leagues and franchises where you're starting from nothing, this model is super interesting because you can get fans immediately engaged, um, immediately involved by using this type of method to make decisions on, on or off field or to have ownership. So I think, I think that's where it's really going to come into its own is kind of new leagues, new teams where they can use technology to really change the face of um, how we see sport.
0: Eddie, we so often focus on pro sports, the the top end of the tree or the top of the tree, the pointy end of the pyramid, the, the sports, the athletes that get all of the media attention. But as you were talking there, I started to think about how it might be applied to community sport, because if you've got a community, say football, soccer team, cricket team, whatever it might be. And you've got everybody involved in this digital space having some sort of real ownership of the club and making decisions on things that would engage potentially just kids, right? Like what should our uniforms be like this year or what should be the new canteen or tuck shop item? Do you think it will ever have application at the lower end of sport?
2: Short answer is, is yes. I'm a bit of an NFT Bull. So I think NFTs will be omnipresent in our society in the next five to ten years across things like uh, real estate transfer of ownership, insurance, um, deeds, marriage certificates, things like that. So when it comes to community sport, again, just let's distill it down a little bit. It's it, a non-fungible token is is a token the which is on the blockchain which allows you to make decisions that can that or, that are recorded forever, right? And so if you have a community that has a certain number of NFTs and you want to make decisions, then it's just a much better form of governance than the current models. And it's all done digitally, and it's all done recorded on on the blockchain. So, yes, I see a world where community sport, youth sport uses this. Obviously, we need to be really mindful about using this as a way to onboard, you know, younger people onto again volatile assets and things like that. We need to be really mindful of that. But ultimately this type of technology is going to revolutionize how society operates, including at that level.
0: I think you made a really good point earlier, and I haven't heard anybody make it before when you say there is a delineation of teams having fans and brands having customers. With that in mind, where do you see opportunities for brands and rights holders to work together to create NFTs? Now, I know you're a Liverpool supporter, Eddie, so I've I've jimmied a little bit of a Liverpool angle in here for you, and I've got an example because to date that work has been pretty straightforward the way brands have been brought in by rights holders in this space, particularly with the NFTs. For example, Liverpool, they released the LFC Heroes Club, which gave fans the opportunity to purchase animated cartoon style digital artworks of I think it was 23 players and and also the manager Jurgen Klopp and that included existing sponsorship branding from Nike and Standard Chartered on the shirts that were in those digital assets. So to be fair that's just digital memorabilia so to speak limited edition artwork. It, of course it's not to be sneezed at because it was reported that Liverpool would earn around about 8.5 million pounds from the exercise so clearly it's one worth undertaking but it isn't one that can simply be rolled out year after year after year it's not going to be a repeatable process those same similar style uh, digital assets so what sort of opportunities do you see for brands and rights holders to work together to create nfts that really do innovate
2: there hasn't been that many good examples of it with brands and rights holders doing it well so far. I think, again, brands are a little bit reluctant to go too too hard at this type of stuff right now for the reasons discussed earlier. Um, outside of Nike and their digital shoes with Reflect, I haven't seen brands do too well in NFTs yet, even though other ones like Taco Bell and others have have done it. I think brands, again, are just dipping their toe in and seeing what works and what doesn't because they've arguably got more to lose than rights holders. So I think the softly, softly approach that you know, Liverpool and Standard Chartered did, for example, with, with this um, project is probably the opportunity right now. Moving forward, I think, you know, things like um, kind of membership style opportunities um, that NFTs um, can bring. So access to discounts at brands, um, online store for holding the rights holder NFT, um, access to content that is some sort of sponsorship brand if nft holders this is nothing nothing new. Um, the key is having the NFT work as a form of extra utility for the fan across all of the sponsors that the rights holders have and going back to the point around kind of what what nfts bring and can do again that 'll bring you if you 've got to hold an nft you can go into a gated community um, gated discord channel, and that 's where the extra utility and the extra benefit of holding these nfts for the for the rights holders and therefore the brands can be used you might get an extra 10 percent off of the shop than a um a, an existing member might have it might give you first primary preference for a ticket or a seat upgrade at a venue i mean the the, the, the utility is really um the world's you kind of oyster in that kind of thing so um it's not too dissimilar to what's happening in the sports world at the moment but there's just that again because it's on the blockchain because it can be um there can be gated communities there's much more wider scope for rights holders and brands to do interesting collaborations um just on the just just what i've got you i mean on the liverpool heroes thing um you know as i said i've, I've got one and i've got, and i've got a jurgen klopp um which is pretty rare so i'm happy with that but it was kind of it wasn't It wasn't done terribly well. um, And there was a a bit of fan backlash. So firstly, they did it through Sotheby's. um, And although the minting process was easy and it was great um, and easy to mint, it wasn't a great look when a supposedly working class club is partnering with a multinational such as Sotheby's. Um, Just just the the optics on that weren't great. And secondly, they got their marketing and drop mechanics all all wrong. so they were meant to sell I think 171,000 NFTs and they only sold about around about 10,000. Um, now, this can be the issue where the right holder thinks more about the commercial opportunity than the education. And right holders, you know, th- everyone sees the dollar signs at the moment with Top Shot and everything like that, but they've really got to think about why are we doing this? Are we doing this to make money or are we doing this to add value to our, um, to our fans, and if if it's about the former, you shouldn't be doing it. It's about the the second part. Then let's think a little bit more about why, and then how that looks. and look, I, I'm still holding that clock. Um, they've got they've added some utilities and some benefits in, and I'm quite happy with it now. But you know, this is the thing. There's there's so many opportunities out there for right told to do this poorly. So they just need to think about it a little bit more because the 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 NFT market is getting more mature
0: by the day i think it's an outstanding point that you make there, dollars versus value because i think a lot of people would think that's obvious but the reality is it can easily be lost in in all the work and and the vision of what goes on around creating this stuff and i'm also glad you shared your experience around it just then with a little bit of uh, criticism and, and a little bit of backlash from some other fans because Obviously, a lot of sports teams are moving into the crypto, NFT and fan token spaces. That's why we're having this discussion. But a lot of them are consulting fans on their plans and ideas. So so bringing them to engage about whether they think this is a good idea early on. While these areas that they're consulting on, they're not always just around sponsorship. It can be around other commercial decisions by rights holders. But do you think it's a good idea to be consulting fans on it because i mean they don't consult fans on all of the sponsorships they sign so why should this space be any different what's the benefit of of consulting and considering the fans in an emerging space like this
2: in this nft space you have to show fans you care about what they think and how they interact with the team and again with the nft it allows through the blockchain to show that they are actually a fan and they bought and own something that marks them essentially as a Super fan, albeit you know very digitally savvy and and, and crypto savvy because it's not easy to get um, an NFT. You have to do a lot of research. So ultimately, there has to be a trust on on both sides for the for the adoption of the technology to work. And the dollar rewards the right side won't come if the fans just think that they are getting taken advantage of by the team's release releasing the NFT project without any thought on why they are doing it. So with this in mind, by canvassing fans on what they should do how they should engage the fans, how they should do it. They actually engage the fans early and give the project more chance of success. And this is what you see in probably other NFT projects outside of sport. There's a big, we're doing this project, um, it's for X, Y, Z reason. We're going to give some money to charity and we're going to get some other community involved in it what do you guys think what should we do should we add more people to the mint drop should we do less should we like the real community feel and by that those those fans of that project you know and again not specifically sport they start to then tell their friends and tell their friends and brings more people into the crypto ecosystem but also into that project so look fine line between what should fans be able to say and do, but ultimately, and you know, you're a Leeds fan, I'm a Liverpool fan, if, if we had even a tiny fraction of a say on um, things that mattered to us, then we would do that wholeheartedly. But the balance is going to be finding what those things um, fans should and shouldn't do. And, again, the rights holder thinking how are we going to involve fans more while generating revenue but not giving away the tools to the Ferrari, uh, one of a better phrase. So it's really, look, really interesting. I, I, I think it's still early in, in understanding how this is going to play out. Um, the seeds are being sown and I don't think any of the answers have been have been um, put together yet. But, yeah, it's, that, that's why I find the space so interesting.
0: And, and I think the other thing to consider as well is you can consult the fans all you want, but sometimes you have to make decisions with some nuances and mechanics that are happening behind the scenes that you can't share with them or if you put it to a vote you know just for argument's sake it might be 49% vote one way 51% vote the other way and then all of a sudden you've got a whole lot of people that are cranky because they didn't get their way so it's a, it's a bit it's a bit of a minefield I take my hat off to those clubs and other rights holders that can navigate that space. Eddie it's a shame I didn't use your working class Liverpool club partnering with Sotheby's and the not-so-great optics there to segue to my next question because I want to move to some questions to touch on some of the concerns around cryptocurrency. And it's, it's, it's come up a couple of times early on when we were speaking because really just so people can have a bit of a balanced and measured thought process around this. Cryptocurrency, it's it's associated with volatile financial speculation. There's no hiding from that. No one tries to deny that it isn't. Sponsorship is about accessing audiences that would otherwise be difficult to access with the vast majority of sports fans. I mean, I like to just think we're pretty normal, everyday working people. They aren't rich. In fact, for example, in football, many complain simply about the cost of tickets to games. And we've even seen some English football clubs move to offer deals where they provide traveling fans tickets for £20 only if that offer is reciprocated to their own travelling fans. I wonder how lightly do rights holders need to tread in terms of being seen to encourage everyday working people into a volatile space like cryptocurrency and NFTs, fan tokens, those sorts of things?
2: Spot on. Very lightly, in my opinion, at this stage. Without regulation, from a government perspective, the, the volatility is going to continue. There are more... Volatile cryptocurrencies than others but even Bitcoin down which which is the most stable is is you know down 50 percent from its all-time highs so this is it becomes really challenging to kind of marry up the working class the the average punter um, and they're seeing their team sponsored by a cryptocurrency which is hugely volatile that that is real I think that's a reality um, Every team should be aware that by partnering with or promoting crypto of any form, that may lead the fans to have a lot of problems in this space, losing money, um, losing their you know their lives in some case with the you know the Terra Luna and the 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 Nats example. So there's this bit, I mean there's this big piece in crypto around like say DYOR, do your own research, and not finance. This is not financial advice. But for me, it's implicit in anything a sports team does that the team approves of this exchange or this coin when doing a a sponsorship or a partnership. So education is a key part of this. The team needs to get that right. It should be part of the discussion with the sponsor about how best to educate and minimise potential pitfalls here. Um, And ultimately there needs to be um, some due diligence done by teams, um, rights holders, leagues on who they're partnering with. However, most of the time these people are making decisions on the, the cryptocurrency or the exchange. They're not um, well educated enough themselves to be making the call on whether they should be partnering with X, Y, Z. So it's a really challenging one. When you see the type of money being thrown around for, um, for some of the deals, I, I really doubt there's too much technical due diligence done and that's where the issues are going to be where the fans can come in and and, and see it as implicitly saying you should buy Terra Luna because you're partnering with the Nats. You know, that's a pretty fine line. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of shakes out.
0: Circling back to the LFC Heroes Club, and it's great because I didn't actually know that you had bought one. I probably should have done a bit more research before I got you on the phone. So that actually gives us a really great angle here talking to somebody who has bought one generally speaking in business we can pretty much focus on the two bookends we can go high margin low turnover or we can focus on high turnover low margin as i mentioned the vast majority of sports fans they're just normal everyday working people they aren't rich so specifically talking about liverpool's heroes club the nfts i think they're around about the 57 pound mark each do you think that that's the best play at the moment for a sort of a first run at this, the low cost margin versus, but maybe a little bit more high turnover with fans that are really just starting to understand crypto and NFTs and and maybe want to dip their toe in the water.
2: Yeah, I think so. Low cost will attract more people into the space. And this also lessens the risk of them losing a whole bunch of money. So if, if for example, you know, theoretically, lfc heroes was one thousand pounds then they would have a lot more a lot less people being able to purchase them and then if if someone did purchase them with the view that you know and, and nfts are still being seen by the majority of people i think as being uh financial speculation and not so much on the utility of what that you know token gives you so I think by having low cost, you'll have more people in the space. And it's, it, it's in the interest of the, you know, the big sponsors and the big exchanges for this as well as you know, NFTs generally lead to more crypto adoption and more crypto adoption through that kind of brand awareness we spoke about before will generally lead to NFT adoption. So short answer is yes. Why kind of 57 pounds? I'm not sure. How much is that worth? Some would say it's worth zero. Others would say it's worth a, a lot more than that. Um, and when it comes to you know someone like... Uh, so, uh, yeah, as I said, I've got the Jurgen Klopp, and it's quite rare, and I've had a couple of offers on that well and surely above that £57 pound mark. And, and, and this is kind of the interesting thing with NFTs as well, is that you don't actually know what you're going to mint when you purchase that NFT, and, and that could be the, the Heroes or that could be any NFT project. And if you're lucky enough to get... Uh, a rare one that is usually going to command a much higher price on the secondary market but this is that that's effectively a form of speculation and gambling as well right so um i think by having the money uh down toward the lower end you're going to attract more people who at least will show interest in purchasing it and even if they don't like it or they don't get any benefit out of it at least they haven't lost you know um, a whole bunch of money that they shouldn't have in the first
0: place, and that was a hundred percent my attitude when I bought some fan tokens with leads. If I never saw that money again, I was I was fine. I really just bought them just to see what the experience was going to be. Eddie, you said you had a couple of offers on your clop one. How does that happen? Do you have to put it up somewhere? Do people know who owns it and they come and find you? How do those offers come your way?
2: It's all been on uh, OpenSea, which is the biggest NFT. Exchange So someone would have heard about the Liverpool heroes and gone in and perhaps and said, I want to get a Jurgen Klopp um, so you can filter by Jurgen Klopp's. Then I think there are about, I think there's around 20 Jurgen Klopp's. I'm, I, I might be around around about that. Then, that. then this person would probably say, I like either that of Jurgen Klopp because mine is different to all the other Jurgen Klopp's or he might have just made, or she might have made um, an offer on all of them and seeing and see if he gets a bite, so generally open c um, for any nft purchases and and sales uh, again the but the whole process and we haven 't got into this, but the whole process of of buying that is is quite challenging for the you know Joe blow off the street because you need to set up a custodial wallet, you need to have some polygon in this instance in order to buy that, and there's quite a few more hoops to jump through. So it's not an easy process, and this is one of the challenges facing um, NFTs specifically is the, the the adoption of someone off the street is going to continue to be a challenge until the barriers of entry are lessened, because at the moment they're really high.
0: It's certainly not just Craigslist, Facebook, Marketplace, Gumtree, those sorts of places where you just send a message, you know, you pretty much agree a price turn up, you pick up whatever you want and you hand over the cash. I think you make an important point there and and really working on those barriers to entry will really help accelerate the uptake of things in this space. So Eddie, a question along the same lines of responsibility, the environment, it's a topic top of mind for a lot of society and carrying out cryptocurrency transactions using blockchain technology It requires extensive computing power, which is directly associated with guzzling energy and therefore environmental destruction and and big carbon footprints. Many people squarely in the sponsorship target audience, they probably wouldn't even know that. Is it smart for rights holders to be working with brands that really don't align with what people feel is important because the publicity, once people start realising, it could get pretty negative?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really interesting question. ESG is super important to sports teams and the wider community generally these days. I would say there's perhaps a bit of a misunderstanding from the general community these days about the environment issues around blockchain. So there are a number of blockchains, right, primarily used by rights holders, which have a very small environmental impact. And sports teams, from what I've seen, rights holders, and even projects more generally, are starting to move toward those more eco-friendly blockchain doesn't mean they're perfect but they are more eco-friendly so for example i mentioned it before polygon and flow which um, the flow blockchain is is what nba top shot is on um they use a a small fraction of the computing power of ethereum and ethereum is the main blockchain for nfts furthermore ethereum is moving from proof of work to proof of stake very soon and that will also lessen the, the, the the footprint on that um Huge uh, way of dealing in NFT. So, this is not to say it's not an issue um, to be mindful of, but there is a little bit of subtlety to the discussion. Again, it comes back to me, and I've said it on a number of occasions around education education from the rights holder about which blockchain they are using, educating about the purchaser. Ultimately, if the purchaser doesn't feel comfortable that they're using a blockchain that goes with a lot of energy, it's up to them whether they think they should purchase or not Um, so yeah it's a really challenging one Um, again i think there will be uh changes in this area and more use of they're called l2s um which usually use less energy than l1s like ethereum um so i think education is going to be the key about why this blockchain um which one should we use why should we use it how do we educate our fans on why we're using this one. And a lot of sports teams that obviously heroes did it as well. They, they, they used it um, they didn't use Ethereum. They try to educate their fans on that. So yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting one, but there's a lot of subtlety to it.
0: You've mentioned a couple of times that you are bullish in this space, you're a big fan. So what sort of sponsorship innovation or new ideas are you seeing in the market that you are excited by? Are there any trends or, or new and emerging ideas that are really exciting you at the moment?
2: There's probably a couple. I think there's a emerging um, of fantasy sports and NFTs is becoming really interesting. Um, same as gaming and NFTs and membership, memberships as NFTs, which I've kind of touched upon before, but fantasy sports, everyone well, is aware of it. And most people play it depending on what sports they play. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, one of the biggest NFT sports platforms out there at the moment is one called SoRare, which have a number of deals globally. I think they just closed a deal with Major League Baseball and they've got a lot of European soccer um, uh, clients at the moment. And this is um, a, mer- a merging of NF- NFTs and, and, and fantasy sports. And this is super exciting to me, being a, you know, a, a big fantasy sport guy and also a big NFT guy. There's a lot of upside for... Leagues rights holders to um, not just be, you know, get money from a so rare through a sponsorship or a licensing deal, but also to leverage the power of blockchain technology to further enhance this type of fan engagement tools such as fantasy sports, and then memberships as NFTs touched upon it before, but again, the traditional membership has been you pay x amount of money for a membership to your favorite football club and you get X, Y, Z in benefits. Um, There are a lot of kind of uh, issues with that, in that um, that membership can't be transferred very easily. Some of the utility that you get, you don't like. Um, NFTs can change all that. So with NFTs, you can transfer that, sell that on the secondary market, transfer that to a friend, um, to a family member, really easily with the click of button, button through the blockchain technology. And then as discussed before um, around memberships, there's also things called uh, a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization, which the NFT in some cases can give you the rights to um, for voting power on certain things. So as a member of that NFT and that uh, with that DAO, you can decide what utility is useful to you as a fan. Obviously, that's a... a, a a community voting structure, but say for example, 95% of the fans don't actually want a scarf of their favourite team included in their membership. Instead of that, we would like the opportunity to have a one-on-one uh, Zoom with one of the star players, and that money can be channeled to them or their charity of choice. You know, that's just one, you know, pretty basic example. So, I think those type of things is what I'm kind of really.
0: Excited about? Exciting, amazing. My brain hurts, but I think you're right. I definitely don't need any more membership scarves. Eddie, there isn't a lot of regulation around cryptocurrency at the moment that provides some opportunities for rights holders where I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but where they aren't as restricted as when they may be working with alcohol, tobacco, or, or gambling brands. How do you think it's going to play out in terms of regulation, not just generally speaking, but also around sponsorship? Because, I mean, if we look at gambling, there's regulation more broadly from governments on gambling, but then uh, football and, and sports associations and even local governments then impose their own restrictions on it. How do you think it will play out in terms of regulation, how it's going to flow through to sponsorships? Because, I mean, is it just a case at the moment of make hay while the sun shines or do you think there is some long-term viability in cryptocurrency sponsorships?
2: I think there's no doubt crypto will be much more heavily regulated in the very near future. Um, But to what extent and how it impacts the sports industry, no one can be really sure. Um, I think the, Again, not to, not to keep going back to the, the, the Washington Nationals because that was so recent, but now that really did hurt a lot of people and the US government is, is, uh, is uh, what I believe, looking at that um, specifically around how to um, quicken up the pace of regulation in this space. So I think that means, so, so if, if more regulation happens, I think that means, again, more due diligence having to be done for sponsorship deals. I think once it's more regulated, there will be less money um, sloshing around. Um, and ultimately, once the crypto industry evolves and it becomes more a part of everyone's every everyday life, then there will not be the need for the type of sponsorship deals we are currently seeing. That is, brand awareness would no longer be needed and we're going to see a much more kind of com- complex, integrated approach to sponsorships around crypto. And then, you know, something else will come in that no one has thought about a couple of years before. And that takes the mantle of, um, of of chucking a whole bunch of money in order to get brand awareness and around and around we go. So that's how I'm kind of thinking about it.
0: Eddie, such an amazing chat. So many things to think about. If people who are listening are excited and they're inspired about how cryptocurrencies and exchanges, NFTs, fan tokens can be part of their sponsorship portfolio but they don't know a lot about it apart from what they've heard you say today we do know that sports rights tech does provide services in this space so here's your chance to to sprook how can you help people on this front
2: we work with rights holders and brands we sit on their side of the table in understanding where the opportunity is so you know, some rights holders are a long way down the road when it comes to education and understanding the space and have released projects, maybe multiple projects, um, whereas others are only just starting out on their journey of understanding, okay, we know we need to get into this space, but we don't know where to start. So we can kind of help on both sides or all areas. So starting out with the education of your team, through assisting with the, uh, through to these uh, assisting with the development and review of you kind know, formal RFP processes. And the, the, the final thing that, that we think is a little bit unique to us is that we look through about what rights you have as a rights holder, and how can we help you leverage this in all things web three?
0: Eddie, if people want to get in touch, keep the conversation going, learn more, what can they do, where can they go to get in contact?
2: I'm very active on LinkedIn, so best for me. I'm at Edward Fitzgibbon or sportsrightstech.com where there's more information about us and our business.
0: And, of course, listeners will put links to Eddie's LinkedIn profile and the SRT website in the show notes at coresoftware.com. Eddie Fitzgibbon, Principal Consultant at Sports Rights Tech, thank you so much for taking us inside the sponsorship space around cryptocurrency exchanges, NFTs and fan tokens. Pleasure, Daniel. Loved it. I don't know about you, but my head spins with all the opportunity and I'm just like Eddie and really excited for how this space develops in the coming years because it feels like the holy grail of real fan engagement is just around the corner. Who knows? It may even be with this space combining with AI and VR. In fact, I'm sure someone smart will probably figure it out. At the moment, it's an attractive space for rights holders in its own right as they look to shore up commercial programs to help recover from pandemic driven losses in a category that barely existed a few years ago as i said earlier however while the space is overflowing with opportunity and possibility rights holders do need to tread carefully it is vitally important that they are not seduced and blinded by the money on offer at the expense of due diligence and properly vetting potential partners as such, if you'd like to connect with Eddie on LinkedIn, simply search for Edward Fitzgibbon and you can learn more about SRT by visiting Tech all one word, dot com. Finally, if you'd like a shout out or just want to connect and say hi, I'd totally love to hear from you. As I always say, i get a real kick out of it. So please make the effort. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston. That's O-Y-S-T-O-N. That's a wrap for episode 109. Until next time, I'm Daniel Oyston. Thanks for listening to Inside Sponsorship. Thanks for listening to the show. For more episodes and to subscribe to the show, search for Inside Sponsorship on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Also, for more free industry specific resources, including blogs, ebooks, white papers, and our Insights newsletter, head to coresoftware.com. Finally, be sure to follow Core Software on Twitter and LinkedIn.